Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in here today with me. As always, AQ, what's going on, buddy? Yo, what's up, man? Uh, happy to be back. Happy you are here as always. And my friend, Cassidy Gamet, good to see you again as well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Well, I could talk with both of you all day about a lot of things, but this is a Blazers podcast, so we've got to talk about someone who's not doing quite so well. These Blazers, uh, that season kind of ended abruptly, I feel like. Uh, that Not what I was hoping for, not what I think any of us expected. AQ, when we were last talking, uh, we made some predictions, and uh, you know, I'm probably just going to toss that one away, toss those... Uh, Toss those predictions in the trash because yeah, things are things are moving on. But what are you uh, what are you guys watching now that the season is over? Have you stuck with the NBA? Are you maybe taking a break? I, f- I feel like I've been catching up on the Avengers stuff on Disney, trying to get ready for Loki coming out. Um, I don't know. Have you guys seen uh, Wandavision? Not yet. No. Not 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 an Avengers person in general, or I'm. We're in the prop. Well, not really. But my husband's <laughs> in the process okay. of trying to get us to, like, catch up chronologically. And so our lives have gone crazy when it comes... And then I feel like we're always putting it off because there's so much when we start looking at it yeah, that we need to watch. And then it's like, what are we going to do? So I feel like we're both going to need to take, like, a week of vacation or something and just dedicate our lives to that. Um, but until then, pretty pretty out of the loop. I think that was kind of what Abby and I did as well, as we binged a lot of the Avengers chronologically and Star Wars chronologically um, during uh, the pandemic, during isolation. AQ, of all the times we've talked on here, have we gotten into Avengers too much? I don't really know where you stand on the uh, on the Marvel Universe. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a MCU fan. I do think uh, they've kind of gotten a little, you know, saturated lately. A lot of very similar content, but... Um, I, I'm always down to like watching movies. I did watch WandaVision. Um, I like that series. Um, so I'm also a big like Disney guy in general. Um, I watched uh, uh, with the Baby Yoda, The Mandalorian. I thought that was, excellent. I thought that was amazing. Like that's probably one of my favorite shows ever now. Like I'm excited for the next few seasons coming up. But yeah, um, I've been watching a lot of NBA. Uh, you know, I, just because the Blazers are out doesn't mean you know my love for basketball doesn't stop. I've been uh, watching a lot of the Bucks, you know, the Suns, um, the Hawks. The Hawks are fun, so a lot of good stuff. Yeah, big game the other night from them too. Uh, and yeah, I'm a absolute Star Wars nut. What, what about you, Casser? Is that three of us for that as well, or? Well, I am on the other end of that spectrum. I'm in a Star Trek household myself. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I've seen every type of Star Trek imaginable. Every episode, every everything. So wow, I think that's right. where, where that holds on mine. But I am still watching NBA games, watching, kind of flipping through between NBA and WNBA games. I kind of wish they were scheduled at different times a lot of the time. Uh, would give us more yeah. watching opportunities. Uh, so flipping between games and having multiple screens, I feel like it's March Madness all over again uh, in my house. And then today I've been catching up on Pose. I left the last season so I could binge it all at once. Pose? I don't know this one. Yes, it's a wonderful series on FX about uh, 1984 LBGTQ community ballroom. And it is fantastic. uh, And there are probably not enough tissues in the world for the last season for me. So it has been a day. Um, Nice. Uh, 
And yeah, I, I think actually I saw you post on Twitter a little while ago about uh, the WNBA. Who is your team? I think is what you were asking. Just like who are other people focusing on? But who is yours specifically? Who's your team? I am not necessarily someone with a team. So I consider myself a league fan. I kind of cheer for any given team on any given night is kind nice. of what happens. Um, until they bring back my Portland Fire, I'm pretty much a free agent. But I do find myself frequently cheering for the Las Vegas Aces. So nice. Liz Cambage, right? Yeah, Liz Cambage, you've got Asia Wilson, you've got an yes. amazing team, and they're really funny social media-wise, like as a crew. So it makes them really fun to follow. And also Derek Hamby and her adorable daughter. Uh, I think Amara stole my heart in the bubble and then I just have to cheer <laughs> just so that she'll be happy. I, I remember seeing the other night the big uh, uh, Liz Cambage kind of highlight that was all over Twitter where she was backing someone down who was just too small and she's got this big, not even hiding it, like big old smile on the face kind of looking at the teammates and she's like, hey, watch this, watch this, about to get this bucket and there it is. Mm -hmm. just, yeah, it was pretty yeah. comical. It's it's incredible. Uh, MLS and the uh, WSL, wait, no, NWSL, there we go, uh, are all going on. So you've got three sports uh if you're you know maybe like me less like aq where if you're a little more like me where you just kind of have to take a break from basketball um or at least from the nba after uh the the blazers have uh, busted out and i'll be watching more as down the line especially as the the suns get going here um hopefully take down denver we'll get back to that but any interest uh in mls or the nwsl from you guys cassie uh what are you uh where, where, where are you at for the thorns and the timbers Definitely a Thorns fan. Definitely, I mean, I'm a Timbers fan, but I don't follow as much as I do with the Thorns. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's funny because I played soccer longer than I played. No, I played them for the same amount of time, basketball and soccer for the most part. But I tend to, I think, definitely stick to women's soccer most. I think it's more interesting. I, I think women's soccer, kind of like women's basketball, it's a little less star centric. And I, I think one part of that that I really enjoy is you, I, I feel like they, they, the play is a little, not only a little more like, I don't know, want to, don't just want to get into parody, but it's a little less floppy. It's like both with soccer and with, uh, with MLS and the NBA, you see a lot of over exaggerated playing to the refs. And I just don't feel like you see it as much in the NWLS or, or, uh, or NWSL. I keep screwing up that acronym or the WNBA. Um, but AQ, you've got both the Minnesota Lynx out there, as well as um, what's the MLS team? Minnesota United. Minnesota United FC. And do you guys have a um, NWSL team in Minnesota? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do. Um, but I do know that. I don't think um, you do. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. I know that uh, Minnesota United's um, been a pretty decent team last couple of seasons. Uh, I've been uh, kind of following the Lynx. Um, I know they've uh, won a couple games in a row now, so we have a good team brewing there. Um, I also watched the U.S. men's national team yesterday, and uh, they beat Mexico uh, in that uh, final. On nice. well, that I was listening to the penalty, like the last penalty they took Mexico uh, in like the 120th minute, and that goalkeeper made an amazing save. I was like, like yelling in my car. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah dude um I, I haven't watched a lot of the national stuff i should probably get around to that but yeah again point being there's a lot of sports on 
if uh, if you need a little bit of a, a refresher, a little bit of a respite from the NBA action after the, the Blazers' rough loss. But hopefully you'll get that respite somewhere else because we're about to talk a bunch of Blazers. Let's start off with the, uh, I guess, kind of the... Don't want to necessarily say bad news, but the somber news that's really been kind of taking over the weekend uh, and, you know, the start of the week for me. Uh, farewell to Terry Stotts. Uh, AQ, you and I have been talking for several weeks on here that we've kind of seen this coming. And I say several weeks, I actually should say several episodes, which has spanned like the last month and a half or so that we've been like, yeah, this is kind of it. You can see the writing on the wall. I think at a certain point, even in the press conferences, you could just kind of see the change of attitude with him where he just got a little bit more... Uh, sarcastic, a little more defensive at times, and just kind of a, a I don't want to say spiteful, but but petty with some of the reporters. Although I imagine it's extremely frustrating to have to face all the Zoom connection issues and Jason Quick muting himself constantly, or or the scrambled internet because he won't get off a basic package, even though he's a Zoom reporter for <laughs> for how long now? But yeah, uh, Cassidy, I want to come to you first. Where do you stand on the uh, end of the Stotts tenure in Portland? I mean, I think we saw the writing on the wall. It's not a surprise. Um, that being said, I really hope the best for Terry Stotts. I think he did a lot for the organization. He was here for a long time through a lot of stuff. And I think that he is being used in a lot of ways as the scapegoat for this season and kind of being thrown under the bus, which I do not believe that he deserves. But I think that at some point, you know, a coach can take you to a certain point and sometimes you need someone else new to kind of push you to that next level. And that's just the reality of coaching. We all gain something from the different coaches that we have in life. And so that being said, I feel like it was a good time for us to move on. What do you, what do you think, AQ? Again, I, I know that not only have we seen this coming for a while, but I think you have also maybe been leading the uh, the charge a little bit, at least around here on Trailcasters. Uh, <laughs> uh, is this something that... Are you surprised at least that it came this quick after the season? Or, uh, yeah, let's, let's just start with that. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not too surprised. Uh, if you remember uh, a while back, I used to do the Terry Stotts, uh how many days he had left bingo. Yes, <laughs> you were sending me texts actually... each day about the day counter. I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I actually uh, predicted the right day. I'm trying to pull up my Twitter here. I, I must have deleted it. Um, but I said around like June 4th, June 5th, because I looked up the NBA playoff schedule. I was like, whenever they lose to the Clippers, which we were like best in the play at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, you were basically choosing the end of the first round, so you pretty couldn't much, have been that far off. I I feel like the writing was on the wall. Uh, you know, all the quick articles, all the other all articles that were coming, like, um, you know, I feel like it was time for a change. Um, Terry was awesome. I think when we look back in a couple of years, like we'll be like, wow, you know, that consistency to make the playoffs eight consecutive seasons. A lot of teams would trade like everything to have that right. You have, you know, the Kings, who I, I've always kind of liked. They haven't made the playoffs since what, like 2008, seven, whatever? Like, it's insane, man. Now, like, they're stuck in mediocrity for years. Um, the Timberwolves, uh, the team that I, like, I live in Minnesota. We have one playoff appearance in 18 seasons. Like, it's crazy. Wow. yeah. So, like, you know, you don't take that stuff for granted. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was a difficult year for Terry. Um, and I think it was just destined to be that he had a part ways. I do want to talk about Neil Olshay, though, and how he got to keep his job, which is... Right. Oh, 
we, we, we will get more to the, the blame game further down the show. I promise <laughs> you that. We've set aside time for it. Uh, but yeah, we can touch on that real quick. I, I, I think what you're saying, and, and before I cut you off so rudely, my apologies, but I agree that I see those two tied together. If we're going to put blame on the coaching, we're putting blame on the front office. And again, we'll, we'll get to the details, but is that kind of, is that where you were teasing to, where you're venting at? <laughs> yeah, pretty much like, I think, uh, I think they actually kind of started around the same year too, right? Like 2011, 2012, um, Terry yep. and Neil, and I've always thought that they were kind of hit together, but, and I know we can talk about more about it later with Osher's, uh comments and quotes today, but it kind of seemed like there's one of them is cozying up to Jody Allen and the other one got the oh, shorter just a bit. stick. And, and this is what we always see, you know, to be fair, that when a franchise goes through some rough spots and when they underperform, you always see the, the head coach scapegoated. Whether, you know, scapegoating doesn't have to mean he's totally innocent. The defense has been very lackluster. Uh, that's a mild way to put it. The defense has been a problem for years. Is what fans have called out for years now, and there really hasn't been much adjustment. You never saw an associate or assistant head coach. It's associate now. It's assistant to people that have not adjusted to the new titles, whatever. Um, but uh, they've never brought in a, a coach for defense. They've never made any sort of real stylistic change. Uh, I think despite... Terry being the second most winning coach in Blazers history, despite, like you mentioned, AQ, the eight consecutive consecutive postseasons we've had. Uh, that was the longest active streak in the NBA right now. Nine seasons for uh, for a coach isn't, you know, it's not that common. There's not a lot of coaches that kind of go that long. And without, I actually mentioned this when I was um, guesting on I Like the Blazers yesterday. Shout out to Brandon and Ryan over there. But uh, if you're comparing to Popovich or, you know, some of these other kind of like long tenured coaches, when they are there that long, they start having other influence. They kind of either become a coach and GM, or they're at least kind of having a, a you know, a, a real, you know, seat at the table or kind of being able to talk to the GM as far as influencing the uh, roster decisions. And I don't think Stotts was going that direction up here. Would you agree with that Cass? Like, do you feel like a, was there any way, I guess, let me just ask, was there any way short of like winning the West that you could have seen Stas get another season like O'Shea is getting to kind of, you know, make make up uh make a difference, or do you think like we we'd we'd seen enough? Was there gonna be change? Ooh. I don't know if it would have taken winning the West or getting to the Western Conference Finals. But I think that that could have influenced a decision. But that being said, I think the tone of the fan base at some point outweighed it to the extent where people were getting frustrated and it became a frustration amongst a lot of fans. And I just think there are times when maybe it is a good thing to refresh if there have been consistent complaints from your fan base about the same thing. Um, that being said, I don't quite understand why O'Shea was given the benefit of the doubt for the extra year right. and not Harry. Because in my <laughs> opinion, I probably would have done that reverse. But I know we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, we, we, we can, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. I do want to, like, just, okay, the, the one other thing on that before we bounce to the next topic would just be that if O'Shea chooses a new coach here, he's got to know that O'Shea only has one year left on his contract. And when a new GM comes in, 
that guy's going to want a new coach. That's how it often works is that, you know, he kind of cleans house with the front office and kind of pulls in his own guys. So what coach is going to look at Portland right now and say that he wants to come in here? I mean, yeah, well, you'd be working with Dame. You'd be working with a team that has had these eight consecutive postseasons. You know, if that means something for a coach as far as just, yeah, we're going to, you know, I'm going to get to the postseason for my own career. But he can't count on maybe really being here long. Okay, so that that's that's maybe getting a little too deep on, on that dive and... I don't know. I feel like I'm, uh, yeah, I, I could, we'll get to that one later. Let's talk about Dame though. Uh, first things first, congratulations to Dame. You won the Twyman Stokes teammate of the year award. Uh, one more piece in the mantle. Where do you think this actually fits on his mantle, uh, Cass, as far as, uh, the, the tiers of the awards he's won? Would you put this above like a player of the year or player of the month kind of thing that he's got a handful of by now? I would just because I think, some players might not, but Damian Lillard would. Uh, I think being a teammate is really high on his priority list of things, is being a good teammate and leaving those relationships solid. And so I think something like this probably means a lot more to him in some ways, just because of who he is and who we've gotten to know. I could see that for sure. Yeah, I I think it's a, a pretty good one because, yeah, it's it's... At the very least, it just kind of does cement more of that idea that he is a uh, someone. He's someone maybe that hopefully other free agents would want to play with. Again, this if if there could be anything we've talked before about Mello and kind of the things that he's said about Portland, maybe that helps revitalize the image up here of a, a destination for uh, players. But this could be one too. I'm good with that. We also need to mention since it has been a little while since we had our last pod, Dame's game five. That was unbelievable i don't have the stats pulled up in front of me because i'm an unprepared when doing a podcast apparently but uh danny meringue shout out to a friend of the show there he's been calling this the best playoff performance ever i think there's actually a pretty strong argument when you compare it to michael uh, michael jordan's best games there's you know it's it's always going to be one of these kind of very subjective things but i have heard there's a, a website or, or twitter account that kind of track shot accuracy this game from dame got their highest score ever basketball reference also gave it the best total game score as far as kind of dame's influence between shooting passing and everything involved uh in any playoff game that they've tracked so that's that's pretty massive uh but uh <laughs> i think the the hard part for me even right now it's hard to feel great about it when you know days later the blazers kind of fall on their face and end the season yeah I think had they won that game, it would have been a different conversation. Yes, so much. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't doesn't take away how how freaking amazing it was. Like, it was incredible, and it would have felt real good if we had won. Yeah, no, that was an amazing game. Um, and I like, I feel like we've seen Dame do that. So when Twitter was going all crazy, I was like, this isn't surprising. I- I've seen Dame score <laughs> 17 straight against OKC with like five threes back in like 2014 or 15. This is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a kind of controversial thing is that I really think Dame is the clutchest player probably since like Kobe and MJ. Like this man is like, if you know that question, uh, um, the ESPN guy that works with uh, Stephen A. Smith, um, whatever his name is, uh, he's, he's asked, yeah, Mike Chairman, like if, if there was a gun ray pointed to the earth needed one person to make a shot he says Iguodala <laughs> it would be Dame though like if you yeah. needed one person to make that shot it had to be Dame it would have to be actively 
And I want to point out too, you put Kobe up there. I understand Kobe's got some great highlights, but the stats have shown he was extremely not clutch. He missed a lot of shots. He just put up so many that it, anyway, not important, not important. We'll get, we'll have the Kobe debate some other time this offseason. But for now, right. I do want to focus on some of the drama that there has been going on around, uh, around Dame. He, uh, after that game six loss, uh, he put up an IG post where he was quoting Nipsey Hussle. How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet uh, preparation? Thank you, Cass. To the rescue, as always. Um, yes. The, so the thing is, though, you read two bar, two lines from that. He took two bars out of Nipsey's song "Dedication," uh, but the media ran with the first one. The media completely mm -hmm. ran with just how long do I stay dedicated, or essentially that. I'm probably not quoting word for word there, or how he phrased it. Um, but yeah, that changes everything in my opinion, because if you're just putting up, how long do I stay dedicated? That sounds like a very kind of cryptic question. That's the way it was taken. Uh, but when you read the second line with it, that and the rest of the lyrics in dedication, it's much more of a rhetorical question that he's putting out there. It's like saying, how long do I stay dedicated? You stay dedicated until it pays off, essentially, until opportunity meets preparation, right? And again, I'm just screwing up the lyrics the whole time. But yeah, it's it's crazy just how quickly this was misinterpreted. It shouldn't have been that cryptic, but of course, that's what makes headlines. And now you have all the talk about other teams interested in Dame, you know, calling to see if they can pull Dame away from the blaze. I don't think that is happening at all. Thank you. I, I love the instant head shaking that I'm seeing across the room here. But uh, I mean, if yeah, if you want to break it down to pure like money wise, if Jody Allen has any interest in selling the team, you don't huh? trade Damian Lillard. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. He is your largest asset to the team at this point in his career, and to have him until 2025 on contract. Yeah. Like, his contract starts next season. And it's ridiculous to me that we're having, the, like, that that is the conversation, but it's also not, because that, it didn't take Dame putting that out to that already being what was being right. said. It right. has been said that Damian Lillard is going to leave Portland since Damian Lillard became famous. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been the push because Portland's the small market team that apparently is just destined to to basically build like farm teams for other or farm players for other teams. That mm -hmm. uh yeah, I, I don't think it's the way it's it's going. I don't think it's it's not Dame's brand, it's not what he's ever kind of uh leaned in on. I don't expect him to suddenly change just because he's frustrated about the playoff run. Dame mm -hmm. is not asking for a trade. That's not happening. Right. If he's gonna get traded, it's gonna be because of a mutual interest and the team is gonna be like, hey Dame, you can trade him. And they're gonna trade him, you know, hopefully. Well, okay, this is all on the prospect that I think Olshay stays, because maybe the new GM is different, but from what we know, Olshay and Dame have a good relationship. You don't do your stars like that, you know? Like, I know you wanna get the best, you know, like trade packages and whatnot, but like, no. And also, I've been on Twitter and I'm seeing all these like fan bases talking about, especially Laker fans, Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> uh, that uh, Horton, Taylor Horton guy, and like a second round pick for Dane. The money matches up. Like, <laughs> what? Like, get out of our face. Like, like a lot of things match up, <laughs> but like common sense also goes into a trade and I feel like the trade calculator doesn't have common sense. Yeah. yeah. So maybe people need to chill out. It's like, so annoying me. It's, it's like, no. 
it's it's one thing to be like biased for your own players. Everyone in Rift City can do that as well. Like when when we're trying to trade away one of our other players, which again we'll get to later. But yeah, the idea that you could have Kuzma be the centerpiece of a package for Dame, who's arguably a top, what top ten, top five player in the league, kind of thing. Like it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. And There's after only... the playoffs, Kuzma had. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Also no. a good point. There, and this that's is... what you want. We, we don't even have to get into this, but there's only two players that I would trade Dame for that are young, Jason Tatum and Luca. But that, those are not happening. So like, let's uh, talk about something else. <laughs> like, yeah, let's talk about something. Even just hearing you say the the players I would trade Dame for, I started just started to be like blasphemy. No AQ, no. move away, <laughs> step back. <laughs> but you did bring up something I want to hit on. Um, you mentioned how uh, Olshay and Dame have a good relationship, and they seem to be you know, mostly kind of like on, on the same page somewhat. I think the next point with kind of some of the drama around Dame might make us question that a little bit because uh, Dame has brought up that he has a desire to influence the coaching search, which fair enough, lots of stars do that. Um, and on one hand, you could say if he wants to be involved in the coaching search, that's another sign that he's not trying to go somewhere. He's not trying to leave the team. He's wanting to be here. Or let me ask you guys, is it more of an ultimatum? Is he here for the long haul? Or is this saying you know, let me influence the coach, get the coach I want in here, or I'm going to James Harden the situation. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if you read the latest report, but Dame said he's taking a step back and he doesn't want to influence his coaching uh, decision, which I'm glad because the Jason Kidd stuff like yeah. made me want to throw up when I read that. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. Chauncey too, you know, like that's a whole nother discussion, but um, I don't think I'm ready for that. I'm like, you know, give David Vanderpool a chance, right. you know. Um, there's a lot of other good coaches. Go to the Spurs bench. He may do though. Right, now, this, uh, go to the Spurs bench. They have like thousands of coaches that are good and ready to go, you know. So, like, not just a kid, for the love of God, please. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So let's let's just jump straight into the kid timeline then, real quick. Yeah. So after Dame basically says that he has desire to influence the coaching search. The team puts out a list of candidates, and then there was like Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Mike D'Antoni, uh, trying to think of who else was on there. There was a number of, oh, uh, Joan Howard, former Blazers legend Joan Howard was on the list. And the same day, like maybe an hour or so after, you know, Olshay's or the team's list is leaked, uh, Dame comes out with this thing saying, I want Jason Kidd, or Jason Kidd is my, my, my man, or something like that. Uh, on one hand, there's the, you know, it's the Oakland connection kind of thing. And he, he said before that he liked kid growing up. He was a player that Dame watched when he was younger, but is it at all possible to think that Dame didn't know about Jason Kidd's background of domestic uh, violence and the drunk driving and the rest? Is it at all possible to think Dame didn't know about these things when he said, I want Jason Kidd? Yes. I think that there is a chance that as a 10-year-old growing up in Oakland, this wasn't necessarily on his radar at the time that it was going on. He may have kind of heard remnants of what has happened or people, you know, saying little things. But the reality is, Jason Kidd's an assistant coach in this league. And I think that for a lot of people, they don't realize that a player might say, oh, well, that guy's in this league right now. Like, haven't we already vetted him? Because that framework was put in place in 2017 to do so, but we have not used it yet. Um, mm -hmm. And 
I think that there's a good chance that when Dame kind of realized and maybe saw the backlash, maybe he did some research. And that was the point where maybe he said, you know what, this isn't what I want. And you know what, I'm gonna let other people do the vetting because that's not my job. Exactly. I, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that Dame with you know, the team that he has to have around him, that no one would have told him, yo, maybe learn a little more, more about this guy's recent background, recent history beyond the court. Uh, but I'm with you, Cass. The, I guess it does make sense that if, it, especially for players who are constantly on the move and so much of their life is the NBA, if this guy is in and part of the league, maybe there is just some assumption that he's vetted and that he's good to go. Uh, it's also the way we've treated it in the media. I mean, yes. we have countless players and athletes that have accusations against them that have this clean persona in the league that they're given in a curated brand image. But the reality is a brand image isn't who a person is. And when other people are telling you who a person is, maybe you should believe them. <laughs> yeah. The same way that all of us, you know, there's a certain image you put out on your Instagram or, or Twitter or anything. There's a certain image you put on Facebook if people still use Facebook. I'm not really sure. I haven't been on there since uh, the Luckily, though, like you pointed out, AQ, Kid bowed out. He he backed out uh, from the whole thing. Uh, said he was uncomfortable after Dame publicly called for his hiring, which I'm not really sure why it makes you uncomfortable to have a star player say, I want that guy here. Like It doesn't do a lot of good for the team. And the, the reason I brought this up initially was when, when the team, or Olshay, had already put out a list not including Kid, and Dame says, I want this guy, that's going to be some weird friction going like that. It's, I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyway, the, the, it sounds like Kid also may have bowed, bowed out because there's rumors that LA, that the Lakers might be firing Vogel after the playoff uh, fallout mm -hmm. they've had there. So he might be holding out for that, which, fine, go do I that for you as long as it's not in Portland. <laughs> Jason Kidd pulling out was a favor to his agent. Uh, Oh. Jason Kidd didn't pull out of that race. Um, and I'm not going to go into details. Uh, I cannot go into details. Um, okay. But I have information off the record that uh, Portland pulled that out of the race. Well, that's fantastic. That You know, I... I, I was I was wanting as you're saying all this I'm like oh dude you gotta tell me the details I gotta kind of pull this out of you but I'm good with that I'm good with you with just that conclusion I'm totally fine and satisfied with just saying I think Portland, Portland heard the fans and good. what they were saying and thought about maybe if this isn't who our fans want and this doesn't meet us as an organization standards it's not the it's not good yeah well and actually I need to give another shout out to a. Ryan and Brandon over at I Like the Blazers. Hey! This is what Brandon was saying yesterday too, is he was pointing out the power of social media on this. The fact that uh, fans kind of spoke up so abruptly and said, no, 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 this is not what Portland, not what Rip City stands for, not what we are going to uh, accept up here as part of the team, that yeah, that has some influence. So hooray for the, the, the power and influence of the people. I'm with it. Uh, yeah, but it, I think as a reminder that this isn't just a talking point for a lot of people. Um, this is so much beyond a talking point for a lot of us. And so I think people need to be very aware of what they're saying when they're saying it because you're in a situation where one in four women are uh, in this country are subject to abuse in their lifetime of some sort and one in seven men. 
So you're talking to survivors on a regular basis, whether you know that or not. And so I think being mindful that this might be a talking point because it's not something you can relate to on a personal level, but for those of us who've related to it on a personal level, be aware that this isn't just like a few days of hearing this and being stressed. This might be a few weeks or months of some of us recomposing ourselves and feeling like we trust an organization again because the idea that kid was ever in the picture feels very against what the Blazers have stood for recently. Yes. Wow. I could not have put that any better. Thank you. Uh, I guess, I guess just to put a bow on it, uh, it was, I think it was Sam Emick that reported from the athletic that Lillard is not making any more demands of any kind when it comes to the coaching hire, (laughs) the front office and ownership will do their jobs while communicating with him along the way, which is as it should be. Like we said earlier. Yeah. yeah, Dame should have some influence. He should have some say he is so central to this franchise, Mm -hmm. but But he doesn't need to do Neil O'Shea's job for him. Yes, and and again, it's. I think so much of this was just frustration on his part because he has even said before how bad he would be as a GM. He'd said that he has said that he would take all of his friends, and here again, he might have been taking someone that might, a childhood idol. Yeah. We've learned plenty of there's plenty of situations that we could all point yeah. to in music and sports that childhood idols are not always what they seem to be uh, when you get to know them better. So, and even in the Chauncey situation, I didn't know yeah. about that until this came out. And so there are a lot of things that people, we didn't realize that. And I have had, I had said in the past that I thought Chauncey would be a great coach. Reading that history now, I couldn't support that. And so I think that there is a good chance that we don't know things about everyone. And that's why we do. I would, I highly recommend uh, Eric Griffith's uh, article on the Willamette Week that recently came out this morning. you're going to find some quotes. Uh, I may have repeated myself a few times. I've been, <laughs> you know, preaching to the choir here. But um, I highly recommend reading that article because I just think it it lays out kind of the allegations and also that impact that that has on people that have experienced violence and sexual assault in the past. Shout out to Eric Griffith, another friend of the show. Hey! Uh, had him on... Man, it's been too long. We should get him back on here. But yes, definitely go read his article from Willamette Weekly. Okay. Let's play... The blame game. Stotts is obviously getting a lot of the blame, uh, whether fair or unfair or most likely a combination of both. Uh, I don't think it falls just on Stotts. Let's just take the the first two categories, the front office and the players. What portion would you guys put on each? How how do you feel about the players, first of all, AQ? Like, how much of this was on... Uh, in, let's say CJ or Nurk or role players or et cetera, uh, as far as the, the shortfalls of the season. Yeah, I, I put probably a good amount of, uh, I don't like to say blame, I say uh, failures because it's a collective team effort. But yeah, um, I think like the way the roster was built, that's another whole thing with O'Shea. But the star, CJ McCollum, uh, you know, you're paying him over 25 million, 28 million a year. Uh, and he was getting outplayed by Monte Morris and Austin Rivers throughout the series. Uh, and he was especially poor defensively. Yusuf Nurkic, who I thought, you know, when he played, 
was great and arguably our second best player of the series. But when he played, you know, picking up some dumb fouls here and there, I think he fouled out in three of the six games. That just cannot happen if you're just, like gonna be the second best player on the team. Um, and then you just got how the roster was built overall. It's very unbalanced. A lot of one-way players that are just, you know, up, just offensively talented. I, I watch a team like the Suns. Everybody on their standing line can play defense, uh, and we don't have that, you know. Even the Nuggets have some defensive players. So I, I think the way I my blame or my failure circle goes is I would say good, you know, like 40% to uh, Olshay. Maybe, I'm gonna get the numbers wrong here, maybe like a good 30% to Stott and then another 30% to the players. I don't know if that's 100%, but yeah. Your math is oh. perfect. You nailed it. That, that's a full okay, 100% perfect. pizza there we pie. Go. So Olshay gets the, <laughs> uh, uh, the most playing to me. I like it. I could see that. Pretty evenly evenly uh, sliced pizza you got there, 40, 30, and 30. Um, I, I, it's, it's not too bad. What about you, Cass? Are you giving a bigger or smaller slices out? Um, I'm doing math. Um. <laughs> well, I, let me let me kind of echo real quick just some of what uh what AQ was saying too. CJ, he underperformed uh, against Denver for sure. He does have a giant three-year contract extension starting up, but it does kind of seem like at this point we've seen enough years of this backcourt. It's hard not to feel like it's kind of run its course a bit. Uh, Nurk, on the other hand, not even on the other hand, but Nurk, additionally, the dude, he just, he's playing too emotionally, too kind of immature for a 27-year-old. He's not some rookie at this point in the game. He's played enough, he's been in the NBA long enough that he's got to he's gotta work on just his mental control. Uh, the other side of it, though, he works so well with Dame in the pick and roll. He's such a... a, a He's one of the few players that is able to match up with people like Joel Embiid, uh, Jokic, even if he's not going to completely match them. He can cover them a lot better than even Cantor probably could for, than, sorry, than Cantor obviously could for us in this season. He got completely just played off the floor uh, in that series. I like Nurk's growth, but it's, ugh, it's, it's so hard to know whether you can rely on him at this point. So uh, numbers wise, I'm probably going a little more. I'm saying 50 Olshay, 30 players, 20 Stotts. Okay, Cass, what's your math adding okay. up to? I think I would do 40% Olshay. I'm gonna do 25% players, 25% carry, and 10% on the ownership group for the fact that they won't pay a luxury tax. Oh, honestly, okay. Honestly, 50% could go to the ownership group. Because that's a problem. You don't win championships without going over the luxury tax. I get not going into the super tax when you need to do avoid it. We're past that point. Do it. Like, either own the team and own a basketball team or sell the team who somebody wants to own a basketball team. I'm done. Like, and the thing is, we're all blaming Jody Allen. Jody Allen isn't in charge. Her lead advisor is in charge. He's not doing the job. Somebody needs to do the job. I don't know who needs to get in it. Whose ear to get them to pay the money. But if they want Damian Lillard to retire a Blazer, which is the best thing for the Blazers legacy and the best thing for their pocketbooks, then get him a team, get him a coach, figure it out. Wow, love it. Going going hot against the front office. Yeah, that you that totally makes sense. I left them out of the blame pie. They're certainly there. I don't They're a big part of the blame pie. 
So I'm the I'm I'm highest on I'm the highest blame on Olshay. It sounds like you guys both put him at forty. I think I was at fifty. Yeah, I was at fifty for that thing. I I don't know, guys. Like I I've had the same way that if we're gonna say that you know the idea that Stotts has had his run uh, and we're not really expecting to change, so so he'd be out. If we're even considering the idea that the backcourt of Damon CJ has had his run and you know we'll get to this more in a bit, but CJ is probably the probably maybe on his way out and he's at least the most likely piece there they'd be trying to move in my opinion but i feel like like Olshay put these teams together he put the role players around them he's offered such huge contracts to uh to players that didn't deserve it in the past um i was i again i was going over this the other day on on i like the blazers with brennan and uh and ryan but hey! he offered Chandler Parsons, a giant contract that thankfully didn't get uh, accepted. Uh, Spencer Hawes, Greg Monroe, Evan Turner, the money he got, Alan Crabb. Um, like these guys, some of them have continued to work out. Some players that have been here have gone to have a better NBA career, but like there's, we are paying a lot to these role players that seem to kind of be in and out and just kind of ro uh, like like switching out uh, a couple seasons down the road. It doesn't doesn't add up to me as far as being good business and even if even if Olshay Turner's fashion and comedy alone are worth like <laughs> 20 million more than he was paid. Evan Turner made 51 million here. Myers Leonard got 39, Alan Crabb 29 and got out from that. Uh I, I don't know. Basically, I guess all I'm trying to get to is even if Olshay is some amazing uh scout for the draft where he's been able to pull people like Anthony Simons, Gary Trent, uh, and again, you could say Alan grabs some, some of these guys that are deeper draft picks. He's gotten good talent out of them. That doesn't offset, like you said about the, uh, the ownership cast, just being able to kind of put a good team around the best player the Blazers have ever had. We're beyond being needing a good drafting GM. Yes, yes, we need that's, a trading that's it. GM. We had a great drafting GM for the years we needed it. Now we don't need Bring it. Bring Danny Age back to Portland. <laughs> hey, it's there's a possibility with Brad Stevens moving from coach to GM out there. I don't know what Ainge's plan is, but man, I would take him. Okay, you know we, <laughs> I I could I could take it. Yeah, I could. I'd be. He is definitely a trading GM. He makes moves out there. He definitely sees players as assets. Uh, very much less of a. Um, oh, although man, I some of the moves he's made, some of the stuff that he did with Isaiah Thomas at the timing with Isaiah's sister and the rest. Like I, that's that was hey, cool. Maybe man. he could sure get us that. to trade. Uh, CJ for Jalen Brown or something. Maybe the Celtics can do him a favor. <laughs> okay, um, real quick, I want to touch on the Olshay press conference uh, before we talk about what's next and, and discuss some of the our, our fantasies and dreams about what comes to the Blazers after this. But, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> Olshay had a presser this morning that was basically talking about uh, the coaching search, letting go of Terry, the coaching search, what comes next. Uh the immediate buzzword that he used, I think in his first answer, he said, we're looking for a coach who's going to bring defense, uh, be, bring more accountability, and uh, a more experienced coach. So right off the bat, you get to feel that, I mean, obviously the defense and accountability, huge buzzwords, but the experienced coach thing, that says to me that they are not looking for a player coach or a, a young kind of up and comer. So people have asked about Becky Hammond, not only is she obviously going to stay in San Antonio, but she's being groomed to replace Popovich, but she's not what they're looking for up here. AQ, you mentioned David Vanderpool earlier. I get it. I get why people want him. He's got a great relationship with Dame. I don't think he has the defensive mentality necessarily or the experience that f for him to be kind of making the list for, for the Blazers right now. 
Um, but I after that though that that's that's all kind of here and there. What all shaded next uh, was uh, said something like. 29th defense and a first round exit are not on the roster construction, basically implying it wasn't about the roster he put together. It was about Stotts' coach and just completely throwing Stotts under the bus. You could maybe say this is half true, but how are we going to say that defensive play isn't about roster construction when you have the players we have here? We haven't brought in like defensive monsters. Sorry, go ahead. Didn't he say that? What was it? The, the rebuild something mode? Like, well, we got beat by a team that was missing two of their top players. Yes. Okay. So if we got beat by a team that was missing two of their top players and our players were, for the most part, healthy, how is it not on roster construction? <laughs> like, yeah, if they had had Jamal Murray and Will Barton, how much more screwed would we have been? Yeah. And, and, it, Obviously, coaching, we've talked about the defensive uh, inadequacies around here, but you can't say that Olshay assembled some sort of defensive juggernaut of a roster uh, to handle this kind of stuff. There was also another one. I thought this is what you're going for. Olshay at one point said, uh, we were losing to teams literally in rebuild mode. I think that was maybe right after the Denver comments too. But he just, he threw Stotts under the bus so hard. And I, I get it as far as, that's what you do when you're scapegoating a coach. But man, it just, it didn't look good to me. It just, like, watching him up there, it just didn't, it didn't, I mean, if Olshay didn't have, uh, uh, if, if Olshay didn't have fans hitting him already, he's going to You know to why now. he did all this? Because he has the backing, in my why? opinion, the full backing of Jody Allen. He's in our ears. And uh, I remember I mentioned this, Keith, a couple uh, weeks ago. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, you know, which, uh, Paul Hens also owned it now. Uh, his ownership group uh, owns. Um, a lot of Seahawks fans were saying that Pete Carroll has too much power in the organization. And the, the scenarios are very sounding very similar to the Blazers here, where I feel like O'Shea is kind of mm. setting himself up to be kind of like the supreme leader. And Jody is very hands-off, both franchises. So just something to monitor as we go on through the summer here, like just how much power O'Shea is getting. Also, the fact that um, Stotts' staff, I believe, is being let go as well. I don't know if I, I, something like that in that yeah. realm. Okay, so. The whole coaching staff. Very interesting stuff is yeah. happening. I think the Blazers are entering a very, like, monumental summer. Like, we're going to look back and say this is a summer where yeah. everything changed. My, I have a favorite quote from him today, too, if you want it. Go for it. Uh, he said... When asked about Yusuf Nurkic's post-game comments following the final game, he said, you heard his comments. I didn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not listening to your players? <laughs> That's you ridiculous, didn't man. listen to your... You didn't hear Nurkic say all of those things that he said? And you're giving a press conference? And you get paid <laughs> how much money? Right. Yeah, it, some some of his answers were, were just, it was ridiculous, man. He's, it was very defensive. It was very, like, it was very much, he can't be touched. I think you're totally right, AQ. Like, he doesn't feel in danger in any way in his role. And right. it came off as this, like, I can do no wrong. Like, 
I can't think that that read well with Damian Lillard. Throwing Terry so, Tatooie is still close to under the bus like that. Yeah, okay, that's a great point too, because it's not like Dame was openly asking for Stotts to be fired, so it does seem like you're just pushing, especially when you've had maybe some friction already on the on Dame wanting influence with the coaching decision. Uh, these were, let me just get to these other quotes real quick too, and we will move on, I promise. Uh, but he said at one point, we've got 80% of our starting lineup under contract and returning absolutely. So he's obviously Norman Powell, we don't have under contract, but he's saying all the rest of the starters He's not planning on moving them. He says, you know, some some of that could be smoke for the trade season where he's not wanting to show his hand, but he's basically implying that he's planning on bringing them all back here. Uh, he was asked if a coaching change is all this team needs in the offseason. He got kind of testy about it. He's like, let's cut to the chase, guys. Uh, and then he started talking about you can't force trade opportunities. They, you have to deal with these as they come. We're not sitting on our hands. But again, basically more of these comments of saying, I'm going to wait until I see a move that really swings the needle uh, mm -hmm. or whatever the phrase is that he able to use. I feel like I'm not getting it right there. The, I like to swing the needle, but we're a small market team, so it's not right. possible. <laughs> but yeah, he, he did seem to basically just imply uh, better coaching can get us better defense and we can get the team we want without roster change. This seems like lunacy to me. But yeah, he just seems too comfortable. And he's, then him saying secure. Damian Lillard isn't a small guard. Him yeah. being <laughs> adamant that Damian Lillard isn't small. And I'm like, are you my height? And you're trying right. to convince yourself that you can reach something on the top counter? Like, I don't... Someone asking him like, about the three guard lineup. Was, yeah, that, big news for me, because I'm now tall. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was being asked about the three-guard lineup, and he, yeah, he just got so defensive about someone calling Dame a small guard. He's like, Trey Young is a small point guard. Dame isn't a small point guard. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's it's you have, you you don't have length when you have a backcourt of Dame and CJ. You don't have guys. Just the numbers. You can see they're not, they're not defenders, and generally part of that is the size. That's that's all there is to it. So Trey Young and Dame are like a half an inch apart in height. <laughs> Are you serious? As for you looking on basketball reference? They're listed 6'1 and 6'2. <laughs> That's amazing. But Dame oh is not 6'2. Yeah, Dame is. Mm, yeah, he's not I've tall. I've had Dame he's stand next to someone I know their height, and I'm like, Dame's not 6'2. Uh, yeah, I've, I've stood next to him at a Blazers event. He's. Yeah. I, I'm 5'10. I'm he's not. Yeah, it, it's. It's funny. Okay, uh. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for letting me get all that off my chest about the Olshay presser. That was just insanity with him covering his ass, throwing Terry under the bus, and basically saying there won't be any other changes. So again, maybe that is just him not wanting to show his hand uh, for potential trades this offseason. But that sure just sounds like more of the same that we've heard from Dan uh, from Olshay before about not making any big moves, just making safe moves that, yeah, it's... Um, I, so yeah, AQ, I'm, I'm hoping there's some monumental offseason. I'm just not holding my breath quite yet. But let's talk about what we do think will happen this offseason. What do we dream about happening this offseason? What needs to happen this offseason? First things first, what I want to ask you guys about. Is a CJ McCollum trade inevitable? AQ, you've dealt with me a bunch uh, already, like you know, on nearly every episode probably, talking about this, or at least bringing it up once in a while. Uh, so I'm going to let you go first. What do you think? Is is CJ definitely gone, or is he uh, is he still gonna be a Blazer? Um, I think I would say probably 50-50 on it. Um, I think it really depends on like what who the new coach is and uh, draft day. Probably a lot of deals going on and whatnot. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if CJ is dealt. Uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if 
stays. I'm leaning more towards I'm leaning more towards him being traded. Yeah, I, I I think it's hard to argue that. I mean, we, like the, the the common line has always been that this is the easiest way for the team to improve, right? If we're not if we are locked on Dame, which we should be. CJ's got the most value as far as a target going out. Cass, what do you think? Is Do you see CJ in a Blazer uniform next season, or has he played his last game for us? I'm very torn on this as well, um, but I keep leaning towards that CJ's going to stay at least until we start the season. Okay, okay. Don't, don't think it goes down in the offseason, but maybe something happens early on, kind of like what I was saying with Nurk earlier. Possibly? I'm not, I'm really unsure about this. Like, I think that this is the one trade that Damien probably has a little bit more control over. Oh, okay. And I don't think Dame would want CJ to go, but I think that if the two of them have discussed it and have decided that it's what's best for both of them, then I think that that will happen. I think if they've discussed it and think, give us one more year, and the right pieces and we can do it, then I just kind of hope Damian Lillard is somewhat involved in at least that discussion process, whichever way it leads, because I think that's important. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It, I think Dame, they shouldn't, you know, kind of pull Dame out or pull CJ out from under Dame without, you know, letting him know about it kind of thing uh, or at least asking his, his opinion as far as you know is, do they want to yeah. kind of run this back uh, but yeah it's it's tough man it's, and I think there's a lot of moving pieces it's going to depend a lot on if we can re-sign Norman Powell what's going to happen with that and man I, let's let's just jump to that next actually what do you think about mm -hmm. Powell do you think he's going to has he seen enough good from Portland and does he see enough potential with his lineup going forward uh, that you think he might be able to, that he might sign here or has maybe some of the drama in the way the season ended kind of left a sour taste? Um, I think I think we should re-sign Powell. I, um, I do think if we offer it to him, he'll come back, especially if CJ is traded. That two-guard spot is pretty much his to take. Um, but also, yeah. um, I also don't think any team is going to offer him, like, maybe, maybe one or two teams will try to, like, match, but, like, I don't think any team is going to try to go too crazy for Powell. I think we should be able to re-sign him, which I want to. That contract, is that a we hold the power contract still? Or does Powell hold no. the power? Because that's another thing that uh, Neil O'Shea said today, is that he said he holds the power in the Norman Powell contract. But that's not the he case. Holds he held the power in the Gary contract, not the... He holds, he holds, right. yeah, he holds the power in the sense that, like, he can bring, I think he's talking about from the Blazers' perspective, but this is Olshay, so he could totally be, because Powell can either opt in or opt out. 99.9% .9 chance he's going to yeah. opt out and try to get more money. Yeah. So, I don't know what, like, what Olshay is talking about in this sense. Maybe he's talking about in the Blazers' sense. Because I think he was, yeah, he was referring to that, like, rule where, like, if someone matches it, you know, we can pay more. But I don't think that's the case with Powell's contract. Yeah, uh, Powell has a player option for next year, so he, he definitely has the control. It's not up to Olshay. Uh, as far as the being able to match, like, it, he'd be a unrestricted mm -hmm. free agent the year after we that. We have the but bird again, rights. That's, uh, if, if he... We oh, have, okay, so... The, so okay. So we can yeah, offer him more money. We can money. go over the cap to sign him since we have his bird rights. 
Okay, so we do have bird rights on that. See, I thought we did on Gary and not on Powell. Yeah, Gary's is we can match the offer since it's his first, uh, like, or second oh. NBA contract. The rookie, the contract, rookie contract. Yeah, contract. Or, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. This is this will be Powell's third contract if he offers out. And I think the power also mm-hmm. is saying is that like we can kind of go over um, the max, the cast space to sign him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done that before, going over the cap for some other guards, and it hasn't worked out. So we'll see. Let me loop back here real quick too, because I heard you both mention. I think that you want Powell back, correct? Like it's the right move uh, from your mind and from what you think the Blazers should do. What about CJ? Yeah. Like you, you, you. We were all on the fence as far as what's going to happen with CJ. Do you think it's? Should we bring him back? If you were the, uh, Neil O'Shea, I'm sorry, let's reword that because that's a gross thought. If you were the GM for the Blazers, would you bring CJ back? AQ? Um, no, I would look to move CJ McCollum. I would look to see if I could bring in uh, like some 3 and B players. Um, I would start Powell at the two. Simons would be my backup like combo guard. And then, you know, try to entice somebody. Maybe, you know, I, I, I think like a Jalen Brown would be amazing. Well, I know the Celtics wouldn't do that because he's way better than CJ. But, you know, like that type of Chris Middleton, um, those type of players are just kind of like, you know, somebody, you know, 6'8", type of guy that can come in and, like, really hold on that that three-card spot. Oh, I'm so torn. I think (laughs) it comes back to, for me, I might keep CJ if... It looks like Nurk is gone. Okay. That okay. might be what I would do is like, and then you're look. You know, I'd shop CJ. I mean, because you have to. I think that there's, it's irresponsible not to look at what is out there when you're in this situation and see what offers come to you. But part of me really would want to give CJ one more year. I just think this might not have been CJ's year. And there were a lot of outside factors that made it, you know, not always game's year either. So I think, I don't know. I guess I bring him back. I'm like Dame, (laughs) I just don't ever want to trade anyone. Yeah, that's okay. Hey, we're, I would be a horrible GM as well. I'm, I'm not here for it. Uh, but you mentioned Nurk as far as being kind of a, a factor in this. Let's talk about Nurk next. He is uh, he has one more year on his contract, I believe, uh, like about $12 million. Uh, and again, I think there you mentioned Olshay being confused about whether he had control over power or not. When we heard from Nurk after game six, I feel like he was a little confused too because the way he made it sound, he seemed to think that he... Was uh, uh, um, had uh, had control over what happened in next, and now we've we've got him locked for one more year. And like Olshay said, he's returning absolutely. Apparently, mm. oh, did I get that wrong? No. Well, I think you got that right, but in reality, I think if Nurk told you I'm not re-signing after this next year, you have to trade Nurk. Like you can't. Oh yeah, just if, if he said he wants out. Option. So I think Nurk does hold, I think that's where Nurk's confidence of okay. power came from, was being like, you know what, if I told them I'm not re-signing, they're going to trade me. That's a fair point. Yeah, I, I'd, it'd be better to do that than than have another LaMarcus Aldridge situation where he leaves for nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that, that's, that's fair. Uh, but with Nurk, with the emotional play we've seen, with the lack of reliability, 
he is almost 27 years old so it's he's kind of entering that prime right if he's if, if he's not in it already uh what do you do what do you think we should do uh as far as like you know should we be shopping him for a trade if he didn't say that he wants out if he wants to be here you want him back or are we uh, trying to use that as a piece to get better Nurk's comments after that game were concerning. They were concerning on a lot of levels. Um, and they also read very much like a clutch-signed athlete trying to go to a big market team. <laughs> and uh, we've heard yeah. it. We've heard it before. We've seen it happen before. You know, we, we all assumed that's what was going to happen with Gary when Gary signed with Clutch. And I think... We have reason to believe that that is why we traded Gary also is because Gary was going to go after a big contract. And I bet Gary wanted out of that contract so that he was traded within that time frame so that if he ever was able to reach a super max, he was. Mm. Because he had to do that within the first so many years of his con first contract. He has to go to that other team to be qualified for it as long as he stays with Toronto. That being said, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a mess. Like, I think that there are, you could keep Nurk, Damon, CJ if you wanted and really rebuild everyone else. Or you could get rid of one or two of those pieces and see what happens. And the fan in me wants to say, keep everyone. But the realist in me is like, you need to shop one or two of those pieces because we need a change. Yeah. So I think you have to shop Nurk. I think. What, what do you? What about I think you? I would. I would like shop him, but I would be more hesitant to trade him than CJ. Like I would like to keep mm -hmm. Nurk, but if something amazing comes up, you know, um, where they're like, we'll give you Nurk and CJ for the star, <coughs> like a Paul George, um, something, or you know, <laughs> you know, like something like that. Like, that would be insane. I would do that, you know, any second, but um, we don't know. So, side, side question. Uh, I have the Nets and Bucks game on TV here, unmuted. The Nets offense is absolutely insane. Like, they scored almost 40 Ugh. points. They're up, like, 17, yeah. 18. It's insane watching them. My mom is texting me, which means it must be insane. They're, they're, like, they have <laughs> so much texting shooting. me about other teams. You, you know, okay. All right, it's yeah, so unfair Kyrie got to play with LeBron and now KD when Dame hasn't even had uh, another all-star teammate in like seven seasons since LaMarcus Aldridge in like 2015. That is so unfair. Right, well, this is more... This is more of the O'Shea stuff, man. Like, it's... He, the, the whole idea of like, oh, you can't pair someone with, with this team. The, the Suns picked up Chris Paul when they had DeAndre, Aiden, and, and Devin Booker on. I, I don't know what DeAndre's contract is uh, as far as their flexibility, but I, I think more than anything else, I think what has happened here, the reason we have trouble getting someone else in here is the contracts that those players, uh, like Dame and CJ make so much money of the total of available to build a roster. It just makes it harder to but build around so, them. So did Cleveland, so, did, uh, so does Brooklyn. It just annoys me that yeah. Kyrie's gonna have two rings. You know, he deserves it probably. But like, Dame could win with LeBron and KD as his running duel. I think O'Shea is just, he, <laughs> he's just too mediocre. Like, that's that's who he is, and he's gonna stick to that. I I hate so much that you automatically said two rings for, for the Nets out there. I, I hate so much that you're jumping. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Go ahead, Cass, what were you gonna say? Well, and I, 
this brings me back to kind of like when we were talking about playoffs and we were saying Austin Rivers destroyed us. Austin Rivers was on the table when we signed TJ Leaf. <laughs> no, you're right. And we had more money to offer him than Denver did. And we didn't. Or, uh, yeah, and, we, and, who knows and it if we didn't, did or didn't happen. But, we could uh, have yeah. had the player that destroyed us on our team instead of TJ Lee. But it's not about roster construction. It's not the roster. That no, that's <laughs> not the problem at all. I mean, obviously, we had to bring Rondé Hollis Jefferson back because he wore red plaid pants to the draft. <laughs> he was born to be a blazer. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he was a difference maker. And Cass, while we're at it, just got to give one more shout out to your amazing background. You probably, I think you win the award for this season as far as... Uh, uh, guest backgrounds that so just completely blazer centric across the board with all the paintings. Uh, well, I guess not blazer centric with the Jersey, but it's a beautiful Jersey. So I can't, that's argue. a highlight her Jersey from, uh, <laughs> the, from bleacher reports, highlight her, nice. my, my own Jersey. So that's fan Yeah. I'm not hitting on, on that wall. at all. It has to be there. <laughs> but yeah, thank you both for, for getting here today. Uh, can you let them know, AQU first, sir. Uh, where should they find you on Twitter if they want to yell at you about your uh, your love for the Clippers? Yeah, at Abdikalis, A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S. Uh, I hardly tweet, but when I do tweet, it's something nice. So follow up. That's a good one. And Cass, I feel like you can get with the, the nice tweets. Uh, where can listeners uh, find you as well for, uh, I guess, the the WNBA updates, uh, maybe if anyone wants to know what the chances are, where the latest is with the Portland Fire coming back, where can they reach you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you can join my fire campaign at any time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Cassidy Gemmett. And if you're listening to or looking to find more takes of mine, I've got my own podcast on Blue Wire Hustle with Tara. And it's We Have a Take. So it's me yes. and Team Mom spewing our takes got to get team mom another friend of the show got to get her back in here as well shout out to tara hey! but in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show thank you to aq and to Cass for coming in with me today and all the wonderful conversation blazers wnba mls nwsl all of it except for the old shea stuff that stuff that was that uh and also thank you odar for these fat beats thank you listeners for a great listening we hope you enjoy your blazers your rip city basketball and our latest episode thank you again and please come back to the next edition of the trailcasters Sweet. Awesome, guys. Yeah.